Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for gathering here with us tonight as we nurse one of our writers back to health. Um, John Troopin has come down with a case of the Cooperstown flu, but heroically, despite being three hours ahead of us time-wise and centuries behind us um, (laughs) health-wise, is going to power through and talk to us about what he saw in the Arizona Fall League. So, John Troopin, if you could uh, uncover yourself with tissues or whatever yeah, coping mechanism. I've got a lot using. of sort of Mennonite cloths that I'm and and tinctures that I'm using help. to. That's uh, it's, it's kind of what we got here. Um, yeah, the the yeah. Farm, do you have to I'm, like go to the apothecary absolutely. instead of like a Rite Aid? <laughs> There's mortar and pestle. <laughs> they sort of ground up some some leaves. Um, and uh, feeling great, feeling feeling vim and vigor. Uh, so yeah, excited to talk about Arizona, the place that I was in uh, a week ago, and that it is. I've since I've been back has been exclusively raining now, oh. uh, and I'm I'm very I'm very envious of the sunshiny uh, place that Kate and I spent. A week. Well, Kate spent two weeks. Uh, it is true. Scouting and scouting and studying, learning, getting my learn on. Mm-hmm. Yes, that learner is Kate Prusser, um, the sick man. Do we have is a drum John roll? Troopin. Sorry. <laughs> I, That's yeah, I my neighbors know. taking their trash cans out. Sorry, I tried to mute it, but I was not fast enough. It is okay. We'll leave it in, baby. Kate's okay. neighbors come on the lookout landing podcast. <laughs> Um, no, yeah. definitely don't do that. <laughs> Kate's neighbors, send me some Dayquil. <laughs> John in his rough it'll spun be... cloak <laughs> needs something to get it'll him be... back to feeling normal. Okay, okay, we were doing like old timey. You've gone into fantasy with the rough spun, but that's, that's fine. We're just we're drawing from all the different genres, I guess. No. Well, that's kind of what Cooperstown is. It's that baseball magical place where everything is sort of on that line between real and fantasy. So that's me just being an expert podcaster, fitting it's, all this together. It's true. We- Thank you, John. 
But I was going to say, we are not here to speculate <laughs> on whether John is actually draped in burlap or just normal clothes. Uh, Kate and John graciously went to the Arizona Fall League um, to get a first-hand look at what the Mariners' prospects are doing, and I guess also, in turn, the prospects that the Mariners' prospects played against, who some of which are in our division um, with the Angels, affiliates, or whoever. So this is just going to be kind of a general q and I'm going to be uh, playing the role of, what's that guy's name on CNN who does the debates? Chuck Todd, is that him? Oh, yeah. I'll be him, Wolf, but... Are you Wolf Blitzer. Give yourself a Wolf Blitzer. Mm, yeah, Wolf has a different sort of energy. I mean, none of them really, I feel like, are true, like, muses for me. But for the sake of tonight... You mean I'll this group of older white men are not your... That's you don't feel really a soul me. kinship with them? <laughs> no, not I just quite. remember. I just remember the one gif. There's, like, there's two women sort of debating something, and then they graphic in Wolf Blitzer just appearing in the <laughs> oh, middle yeah. and separating them about that. And I feel like that's your, your, uh, your moment right here. That's Manu. He's part of baseball Twitter. Yes. Yes. Shout out to Manu. Shout out to baseball Twitter. (laughs) But anyway, so you've been back now. The Arizona Fall League has finished. Um, You have been back out of the dangers of Arizona in uh, a regular human climate for some time now. And uh, I'm curious, now that you've had some time to reflect, let the, the baseball sort of seep into you and get a full experience. Um, the big question that I'm asking, and this is intentionally vague, would just be like, what is the Arizona Fall League? Like for someone who's never really like looked into it, maybe they've heard about it, you know, through Twitter or through, you know, reading our stuff on the internet or whatever. But what is the actual mechanics of the Arizona Fall League? If you would be so kind as to explain that. Either of you. Kate, you've been there twice, so I, I was going to give you the first sort of go since you, you have a little more experience. Um, the way that the Arizona Fall League is described often is prospect graduate school. So it's sort of like a final polish for a lot. I mean, originally it was intended, I think, to be a final polish against elite competition for a group of players who were potentially being eyed as call-ups for their club in the next year or so, year or two. Um, Now they've expanded it so that you don't have to have completed or even played in double-A at all to have been there. There were a ton of guys who were from high-A. There were even the Rangers sent a bunch of guys from A-ball, which I thought was kind of weird, although also a lot of them were older guys. Guys go to, like, make-up time, too. Um, A few of the guys there were making up uh, suspensions. Forrest Whitley was from the Astros, kind of the big name as far as that goes. He missed a bunch of time last year in 2018. He had a 50-game suspension for PEDs. Um, Also, guys who got hurt, you know, um, Bubba Thompson, who is one of the Rangers' top prospects, he was there because he broke his hamate bone so it's a it's a it's for a certain class of prospects theoretically although they also have to fill out their rosters and generally the pitching is not kind of the strong point unless you have like a forrest whitley who needs to make up time um you'll see some really good offense it's definitely it's i would say about 80 percent guys who are going to play in the big leagues and there's usually big you know, there are big names there, like Pete Alonso was a big one. Uh, last year, Vladito was there. Acuna was there two years ago. So it's it's generally guys who will have some, not all of them that star, superstar caliber, but it's guys who are going to have some role. Um, yeah, it's it the, the nice thing about it is you are essentially getting a... Uh, you're getting an instant gratification in a way that the minor leagues don't usually deliver in that you are getting to watch every single at bat is somebody who probably will be somebody. And whether it's, you know, last year they had, you know, Vladito and the year before Acuna was there and Pete Alonso, or yeah, the year before Acuna was there, Pete Alonso was there last year. Um, You know, 
or just, you know, people who will fill out MLB rosters. Um, it, it is essentially an opportunity for uh, teams to both get a uh, good offseason league that doesn't require them to have their players go play uh, in foreign countries. Um, and as a result, they get to provide a little bit more direct coaching. Um, and they also it also is essentially the best opportunity for anyone who does scouting to see a condensed package of near major league talent um, any any time of the season. So are there rules to how many players one organization can send? Like, did the Mariners have, like, is there a cap on how many people you could send? Because doesn't it, like, it's that thing where, like, there's multiple, like, players from other organizations end up on the same team. So, like, the Peoria Javelinas wasn't just a team of all Mariners. Right. So there are uh, five teams per, uh, or, like, five MLB teams per AFL team. There okay. are six, six clubs. Um, and so you, I, b- I believe there's, like, a minimum number. Uh, but essentially you'll have somewhere in, like, the four to seven range. Right, Kate? That's, yeah, they have, that, a, they have a draft, um, yeah. which I didn't know about until this year. So each club gets to kind of say, like, we want to send this guy, we want to send this guy. And then the rosters are filled out from there. Um, and there's a, a strange little bit of distinction because until very recently, as Kate alluded to, it's by and large players above um, or in AA or AAA. Um, and there are actually limitations on how many players uh, a, a major league team can send uh, of players that are below AA that haven't reached AA yet. So... Any team can only send up to two players below AA, and I think even that many was a recent change. Uh, and there's also some degrees of regulation about how many players of foreign uh, origin can be sent there, because the you know the leagues, for example, in the um, in the Dominican and in Venezuela, um, there are sort of robust. Uh, winter leagues and Mexico there are robust winter leagues that players will often go play in Um, and it's a big deal to have some of their bright young stars come play Uh, and there are some sort of limitations on how many players MLB teams can just say no you can't go play in your home country you have to come play at the AFL Okay, so now that we got the boring stuff out of the way, get... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking at the surprise Saguaros, which is had the Rangers, because um, I mentioned they had sent a bunch of not Double A people. Right. I'm looking at their at who they sent, and they did send one, two, uh, three pitchers, four pitchers, and all of them were um, A or high A, not a single double A. Huh. Well, I wonder if there was a very uh, either a recent rule change or if there's sort of changes on pitchers. Actually, I don't think Texas sent anyone who was at the double A level. So that's a little bit... Um, Lock them up. <laughs> That's a little bit different. Yeah, Texas really took advantage of that lightning of the of the rule about um, only being able to have so many players at some level. And I don't think there was a limit since it does not appear that they sent anyone who was at double A. Although, like one of the guys they sent who was high A is a pitcher, and he's like twenty five, I think. Which the Mariners had their own twenty five year old in high A who they sent. We'll cover Penn Murphy later, but. Uh, yeah, just to just to kind of drive home that point that the the composition of the Arizona Fall League is maybe a little different than it's been in the past. Got it. Okay, so before we get into the actual players, I was gonna ask because you brought up the Saguaros. Uh, I was gonna ask for a quick power ranking of all the team names because it's only six. I feel like you guys can talk amongst yourselves on air here. We'll work it out together and figure out which one is the best. The Mariners. Are the Javelinas, right? The ones at the Mariners? Yes, yes. the skunk that's, pigs. That's yeah, yeah, that's the logo is like a terrifying I mean the feral hog. I have joke a hat. Has been it's made. very good. 
John has a hat. It's like a radioactive looking pig. It's like glowing. There's like a lime green yeah. element. To yeah, it. They, oh, yeah, they introduced the lime green element this year, this which I'm not really. like a super huge fan of. Yeah. But um, Okay, so it, there's them. There's the Sahuaros. Who else is down there? Uh, we got the Glendale Desert Dogs. Oh, I do like that. Who are like coyotes, basically. They have yeah. a cool logo, too. Yeah, it's the, like a coyote the logo, howling. Yeah, the trouble is the logos are all very good pretty well, much well maybe i mean not. salt I, river so there's salt river rafters too who play at talking stick which is really cool that is by far the best field in the afl it has kind of yeah. a almost pro field mm-hmm. um and if you go for spring training you can go to games there too the diamondbacks and rockies share it and but their logo is unfortunately looks like a swab of crest toothpaste like yeah it's just like three little whatever. three little waves yeah not good yeah um, there's the Mesa Solar Socks, which are not particularly That one good. sucks, and they have, yeah. like, a really sucky, like, f- frying <laughs> sun. It's just, it's no good. I, yeah. I would put that one they're, even they're, below they're, the Salt River one. No. Yeah, they're, Solar they're Socks has to be last. That doesn't make any sense, either. Like, at least yeah, what is a Solar Socks? Sock? Yeah, you, I know no. what red is. I know what yeah. both of those words mean. I just don't know what they mean together. Like, yeah. Does so, the sock, is it powered by the sun? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Like a so I, situation. All right. So I would say Mesa Solar Sox bottom, yeah. Salt River Rafters second from bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Scottsdale Scorpions. It's good. I think I think those two, the first two, are like way low, and then everything else is good. It's just you know if we're having to rank them, Scottsdale Scorpions like it's good alliteration. It's. I don't know that their logo is super complicated. You know, complicated. No, but it, it's but just it's a. Solid. I will say that having found a scorpion in the shower of my Airbnb one morning. Oh no, Randy. I um. I am going to come in strongly against scorpions. I would have rather found any of the various mascots in the shower. That's Give me fair. a skunk pig, even. Give me a javelina. I don't know. Uh, That's, I, was, I don't the, actually know about that. One. That was no, no, no. I could. I mean, I, I know how to deal with a javelina. I did not know how to deal with whatever that business is at the end of a scorpion. That's, That's terrifying. Bad. That is an assault against God. I hate wow. it. Wow, Kate is That's alienating bad. all of our scorpion <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to issue dumb. a notes app apology to all of the scorpions. <laughs> um. I think it honestly, it just goes kind of uh, in in order from there of, you know, like the Desert Dogs are good. Desert Dogs is cute. Javelinas is really good. I'm going to put Javelinas below the Desert Dogs because I think the Coyote, the logo is much cuter. The Feral Hogs thing kind of scares me. <sighs> That's fair. Um, but I do think it sounds like we agree that the surprise Sahuaros uh, yeah, is the best one. Yeah, which... so they redid the logo this year, and now it used to just be like a cactus, whatever. But yeah. now it's an adorable anthropomorphized cactus. Yes, and with a bandana gr- oh, like, yeah, and a it's, cowboy it's hat. It's so great. No, it's easily the yeah. best logo. Yeah, and uh, I like how surprise can be an adjective there. Like, oh, it's a, it's an un, unexpected Sahuaro. Yeah. yeah, came out of nowhere. Yeah, Matthew, I've, I've I've sort of dropped you a link there, and we can we can uh, you you can sort of see the logo versus the past logos there if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, this is great for an audio medium, but I will no, I will look no. at it. All right, I'm opening it now. Oh wow! Oh, he looks gang affiliated. It is, well, that's kind of on you, I think. Maybe, maybe he's just—it's windy. It's and... just a bandana. But the way that he—he looks very menacing. If he I does. His, meet... his eyebrows are a little bit uh, intense. I'll, I'll give you that. It's as menacing as they could make like a a cartoon cactus look. So yes, with the red and black lumberjack and the hat to match. All right. So now that that's out of the way, you were there to watch actual baseball. Um, of the Mariners, Rugrats, who were there, um, Julio and Jared were the big headliners, although Jared had some some setbacks, I guess, with his mouth. Was that what it was, right? He had to get his wisdom teeth No, pulled. he had back stiffness. Okay. but so the wisdom he, did, he did, did have happen. the wisdom teeth initially, but then he played in, like, I don't know, three games and then okay. had the back stiffness, and then they shut him down, so... Right. Okay. But I think the big surprise and the ones that if people who weren't there were kind of following um, sort of casually, the big name that jumped out was our very own uh, braided haired son, Penn Murphy. What's going on with him? <laughs> Cornroad son. Cornroad. Thank you. Yes. I couldn't get a good look at some of those pictures and figure out what exactly he was doing because the hat obviously obscures things. 
Uh, yeah, we, we had the opportunity to meet Penn on a couple different occasions, and I will say he is, um, John is, is style icon too heavy of a turn to throw around with Penn Murphy? Not at all. Uh, he's, he's got a real Charlie Whitehurst vibe, and yeah. it's, it's absolutely a, an impressive setup. Yeah, Penn is from Nashville, Tennessee, but he... Like Charlie White? Well, maybe. <laughs> well, where he eventually ended up, I guess. But he yeah. has um, really taken to his time in California and now in, in Arizona. He has a signature hat. He did not want to be photographed without the hat on because it's mm. it's his signature. So, you know, he spent his off days going and playing guitar in the Red Rocks of Sedona. Wait, wait, wait. I would what love it of... if they let him pitch in that hat, actually. Yeah, oh I was going to ask about Absolute. the hat. What kind of hat is this? A Stetson? I, I it I is not. A, it's, a... it's not. I don't know that it's quite a Stetson. It's like a smaller brimmed Stetson. Is it's it more like formal a... wear or like Tommy Bahama vibe? Oh, no, 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 not no. It is. It's a It's a classy hat. It's like a felt hat. What? Um, wow. <laughs> All right. It felt, felt. I think felt. It's maybe, maybe it's a very pale leather. But so now I, I'm picturing the Pharrell hat. I don't think it's that. No, no, it's not ridiculous. Um, it does. It has a. Its brim has like some turquoise and silver action. Oh my god! It looks like something that my grandfather, when he moved to Arizona in the early 2000s, would have really, really liked. In fact, it might actually be my grandfather's hat. <laughs> Which, you know, he was a sharp dresser. I'm not, I'm not, that's nothing to take away, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a signature piece. The day we saw him, he was also wearing a pale pink shirt with, um, uh, skulls on it. Wow. A skull, skull and floral print and carrying a floral backpack that he had picked up in, uh, the California League when he was with Modesto as like part of their dress up days where they get like 15 minutes to go into a Goodwill and have to put together a look from that. That's kind of a common road trip bonding thing. Um, so anyway, he he just really liked this flowered backpack that he had found and has been carrying it around. Uh, white linen pants kind of oh adding to the to the um, reclusive celebrity on a cruise look. It was, it, it was, it was a head to toe look. I will say that. No, I love this, especially when we're just describing it and everyone else who's hearing this can only like listen. There's no visual element to this. So everyone I think is going to have a slightly different picture. I know what he looks like in the face, but this outfit you described feels very like Jason Mraz to me. And I feel like that's not the actual look that Penn is going for. Um, I mean, it, 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 it is a similar, like, laid back, kind of West Coast, okay. you know, chill vibe, good vibes only kind of <laughs> setup. Here's, you know? here's the thing. <clears throat> Basically, if Jason Mraz, instead of being kind of like, I assume, like, sort of scrawny with like a goatee, was like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, 6'3". Pen is 6'3". Okay, 6'3", and like fairly built and like just every part of him was muscle and had like the firmest handshake you've ever encountered that's that's sort of it like, was a firm handshake yeah um that i think is then you're getting the right like it just every everything jason mraz wore but like an in an extra medium somehow I see. That's a Oh, also, he was mildly annoyed that he had to go to the Fall League, which he, <laughs> this is cute. He thought that when he had been assigned to the Fall League that he had been assigned back to Instructs. And he was like, oh, man. He didn't realize that the Fall League is, like, prestigious or whatever. Um, but he had set up a whole thing through his dad that he was going to go work on a ranch in, like, Wyoming or Montana or something. He had like a position all saved for himself where he was going to throw baseballs into a net in a barn at night and like by day, like drive cattle and birth calves and stuff. And then baseball got in the way. Is what you're <laughs> yeah. Get, and then he, he wound up being selected, being selected to this super prestigious league. And now he's actually playing for uh, Team USA 
as they try to qualify for the Olympics. So it's it's been quite the glow up for Penn Murphy over the last few few months. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like he's not one of the more well known Mariner prospects at all. Like, oh, I, if you try to call him a prospect, he will correct you. I said that, and he was like, oh, technically not a prospect. So wow, we stand a, a humble king. <laughs> we do stand a humble king. <laughs> so Penn, can you refresh me? He was in Double A last no. year. Single no? A. Single A. Uh, okay. High A. High A. Yeah. So the Modesto nuts. Yes, he was and, part of the the motley crew of Modesto, which you know really was like the highest drafted guy that they had. I think was Joey Gerber, the reliever, who was an eighth rounder, and then you know they had Logan Gilbert for a little while, but everyone else, like Ian McKinney, was a cast off from the Cardinals. Um, who am I trying to think of? And I'm forgetting. Austin Hutchison was a, a free agent, maybe. Ray Kerr was a free agent. No one in that bullpen had been drafted other than Gerber ahead of, like, the 20th round. Penn, I think, was a 33rd rounder. He sure was. I'm looking at it now. A 25-year-old, uh, yeah, 33rd round pick who, yeah, it was. he did get five games in triple a it looks like in 2019 am i reading that right you are we were actually at opening day with the rainiers kate and i sitting and watching uh sort of later in the game as a sort of sidearm reliever came in we were like pen murphy um we're not super impressed uh full name william pen murphy yeah is he a quaker no, uh, disappointingly, there's not an awesome story behind the name other than his dad is also Bill, and they didn't want to call him Bill, so they called him by his middle name, Penn. Got it. Um, but yeah, a, a very solid transition. He he was just in AAA, basically, as like a fill-in arm initially, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So what can you tell us about Penn, the pitcher? What is his What did his stuff look like down in, uh, in Peoria, or wherever the hell you were in Arizona? <laughs> Surprise, Peoria, whatever. It is all basically just North Phoenix. Yeah. Um, North and Norther Phoenix. Um, I, I mean, it was it was pretty it was pretty solid. Um, you know, it's it's not overpowering. He's got a bit of a funky sidearm delivery, um, but he's throwing fastballs and sinkers. It's ninety one, ninety two. He's got a really good slider that is usually like an eighty two to eighty four range, um, and he really just befuddled a lot of hitters who had a lot of, um, you know. A, a, who were very well thought of this entire fall. And the AFL uh, is not a good place to be a pitcher. It's just because it's constantly the best prospects uh, at any position in Arizona, where the air is thin and it's 88 to 90 degrees every game and clear um, in spring training ballparks. But, um, no, I mean, he, it, it was legitimately impressive. He's got a change-up, too, that he's working on taking some velocity off on. And we, yes. we talked to him for a while. We will have, like, a full-scale interview up with him um, on the site relatively soon. But uh, but the change-up, I think the issue essentially was it with that lack of velocity separation, um, it's not yet enough to really challenge left-handed hitters. And when you are a sort of funky right-handed pitcher – uh, or sidearm pitcher in particular, the issue is almost always going to be, and, and this is true of really any sidearm kind of pitcher, is uh, it's way easier for an opposite-handed hitter to see the ball coming out just as much as you are making it harder by reaching further out on a you know same-handed hitter. Um, and so you have to have a really good pitch that will break away from those uh, opposite-handed hitters. Um, and he's still working on that, and that typically will be the difference between is this person a reliever who can go for you know, an inning with significant success as long as they're used against the right types of hitters, or is this someone a starter who you can leave in, um, or, or even just like a reliever who you can give multiple uh, innings to. Right. I mean, it's encouraging that he continued to go out there, continued to be able to work for five innings at a time against 
difficult competition against some very good hitters and continued, you know, there wasn't any drop off as they saw him more. His numbers were pretty much consistent. I, I actually even think he got a little bit better as the fall league wore on. I mean, there was a day where he struck out eight batters in like three innings. Was that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. This, is the, this is the last, uh, this is the time uh, we saw him right before I left, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was fab. Hmm. So he won some award too, right? It was getting a lot of hype from the writers who were down there. They gave him some sort of prestige it seems like like he was one of the There's breakout guys or whatever yeah he There's got the chain? he got pitcher of the week and he you get okay. uh, a championship chain which is like this enormous it's i mean gigantic. literally enormous metal um necklace that gold chain situation had his name on it and everything he was he was justifiably proud of it like he it definitely looks, wore it in the dugout for a few innings after he was presented with it it, it looks like the it like no joke looks like a spot on replica of the turnover chain from the University of Miami football team. If that is a reference that lands for anyone, which I think now that I'm thinking of it, won't be either of you, but maybe some of our listeners. <laughs> no, I've, I mean, I've um, seen the chain. Okay, I mean it's it's that, but just that's like a plate that says Arizona Fall League Pitcher of the Week instead. It is gigantic. I um, love that. Yeah, it's very good and a great way because i mean all these guys are you know 23 or younger by and large obviously Penn's like a little older but like even still like you want stuff that gets these guys hyped to be in peoria arizona instead of relaxing at home um, yeah that was i mean there were definitely i saw like um luis garcia who is the top prospect for the nationals one of the top prospects for the nationals very young like 18 um, and he was a little, I, I saw him towards the end with the people who were in my scouting camp, mini camp thing. And, uh, he looked pretty rough. Like he was not bringing his best effort. I would say the same thing about Omar Estevez, who's the, uh, one of the Dodgers top prospects. I think he's in mm. their top 20, a shortstop. He was horrible when I saw him. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I have like a, history with him i've seen him be a dangerous hitter against our double a team but you know i was listening to the kind of conversation about him and the people were not impressed and it was just that effort level you know it's Mm -hmm. it's hard when you kind of already have your prospect place assured to find that fire to go out and play especially if your team is out of the out of the running um which it was kind of a runaway for the Salt River Rafters this year. They were clearly the best team. They had the league MVP in Minnesota's Royce Lewis, who was awesome. Um, so it, it can be a tough place as far as that goes, but I was pleased to see that our guys, when they were out there, were always giving 100% or more. Um, and I think especially for a guy like Penn, who in a lot of ways this was a coming out party for him. He was a guy who was not on anyone's radar and you know, John and I talked to Josh Norris from Baseball America after one of the games, and he was like, who who are these pitchers that you guys have? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it, though. It can be definitely very hard to fake excitement in some situations. So I kind of I respect, in a weird way, these people who are channeling sort mm. of a fellow uh, Phoenix legend, Eric Bledsoe, with the I don't want to be here energy. <laughs> <laughs> Another reference for maybe a small sliver uh, of people, but... Your laughter well, think, tells me that it works. I think, Matthew, I think that's an interesting point, though, for it, because it really is, like, it's a mixture of people who, you know, are genuinely psyched, especially, like, the youngest guys there are often, like, the most energized. Yeah. Um, just because it's like, oh, my God, like, I'm getting to play with all these really well-regarded players, and, you know, you're getting anything you do is almost gravy. Like that was how it was for Julio Rodriguez and for, you know, a, a number of these guys who have just like, you get a chance to showcase. And then you have the older guys, like the much older guys who are typically there, ex- you know, because either the team wants to work on something specific or because the team is like trying to get that player Show- onto people's radars. Yeah, showcasing them for trades. Exactly. So you have those sort of two groups where, you have the like you know really motivated groups and then you may have you know it can be sort of hit or miss with the with the rest of the group of like sure I'll treat this the same or some guys of like 
it's October. I've been doing this forever. Everyone knows I'm good. Like, I know I'm good. They know I'm good. Like, why am I here? That was definitely Luis Garcia, I think. He's just so assured of his position and of his overall prospect ranking that he was like, I got nothing to prove to anyone. Which is, to me, not the best way to go about your business, but... No. Well, we have a question. This is probably just for Kate. Um, this is we're going to Twitter where Verify Satan is currently trending. So oh, I see that Mark Canna's off season is going well. Oh, <laughs> touche. <laughs> um, no, we we do have a real question from Wayne Teeger. Thank you, Wayne. Uh, Wayne asks, "Did you guys do AFL last year, Kate? Well, you already revealed that you did." Yes. Uh, maybe if you could share some of the material differences in the Mariners' talent between years, and what are the KPI? Not sure what that means. Uh, the KPI we should care about coming out of the AFL. I'm not sure I know what KPI is. We're gonna um, go to the. But old I will Google. say that like key performance indicators. Ah, uh, okay, good call. Corporate America strikes again. <laughs> um. Okay. So. I will say that the difference between the Mariners prospects this year versus last year is unfortunately like we did not get to uh, the Mariners have for the past two years um, with the Javelinas enjoyed being league champions. And part of that was uh, (laughs) Eric Falia helped win the batting title, won the batting title for the (laughs) AFL when he was there in 2017. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in 2018 they were, also in 2017, they had you know Acuna Jr. Um, 2018, they had who was the big star in 2018? Maybe 2018 was Acuna. No. Uh, Evan White was 2018. I remember yeah. that. Um, I'm trying to think. Christian Pache from the Braves, maybe, maybe it was him. Anyway, uh, they were able to kind of ride the coattails of some other better prospects to victory. Um, this year, the Mariners delegation was, should have been one of the best with Julio and Jared, should have been the best organizational one-two punch. Unfortunately, uh, as we mentioned earlier, neither of them saw a full season in the AFL, so... We were kind of left to rely on Joe Rizzo, who is a taxi squad player, which is basically like taxi squad players are the seventh or eighth players from a team who are sent. They're limited to only playing in two games a week. So didn't get to see a ton of Joe either. And, you know, taxi squad is a rough, that's a rough assignment to draw. Um, so, yeah, that the the that talent wasn't as good. I will say the pitching talent was a lot better. Um, Delplane, Sam Delplane, got shut down with triceps tendonitis, I think, and didn't finish out. Uh, but he was very good when he was pitching. Aaron Fletcher, who was our uh, return from the Nationals in the Elias Strickland deal, was very good. Uh, obviously, we've talked, we've sung the praises of Penn Murphy. Um, Ray Kerr still has growing to do, but for an undrafted free agent, like went out there and performed very solidly for himself as well. So I would say that the big difference this year was like, we have actual pitching and Penn told us that players were coming up to him and asking like, you know, what are, what are the Mariners doing? Like, what are they doing with their pitchers? Because we notice it's a lot of guys and I throw the same stuff as he does, but he's getting a 40, 40% strikeouts and I have 20. So well, basically like tell us your secrets, which is a fun and different place to be. Um, but yeah, the Mariners were partnered this year with the Red Sox, the Astros, the Pirates and the Padres. They always share with the Padres because they shared the same complex. And you can really see like the Red Sox is the, <laughs> the Red Sox are the worst farm system in baseball. And it became kind of obvious in seeing who they sent and who like their number nine or number eight prospects were, um, who were guys who I wouldn't rank very highly in any other system. Um, Houston obviously is always terrifying, but kind of less so beyond Whitley, uh, the pirates or, and, uh, and even San Diego. I mean, the sun is setting on a lot of these, uh, franchises. They're just not pumping out the same level of prospect that they were previously. So, 
that's a little bit. I would I would honestly say that the Mariners were one of the stronger contributors when they did have guys on the field. One of the better contributors to the Javelinos overall. Yeah, yeah, I was actually just real quick gonna ask about that because you guys were actually there, and I'm sure. I mean, it seems like everyone who's there is like a quote unquote baseball person. So I'm wondering. You don't like go what... to the, the AFL if you're like interested in drinking margaritas by the pool for spring training. No, it is it is generally like big time baseball people who are there, which is fun. The conversations are fun. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna ask. Is like when the Mariners did come up, or like when you know the the comparing of systems conversation happened. Like, did you sense a pretty high level of excitement or even awe it sounds like for what the Mariners are doing there was not much cheering any time just because such a significant percentage of the folks there are scouting or kind of unaffiliated Um, but and I don't know Kate you saw obviously I think more non-Javelinas games than I did but at least in the Javelinas games that we saw, there was, like, if there were fans there, they were, interestingly enough, almost exclusively Mariners fans. Yeah. Unless it was, like, a family group of a player. Like, there was a small little contingent that was there typically right behind home plate because the tickets are, you know, it's free seating, general admission, um, and it's, like, nine bucks or something. It's, like, super cheap you can you can sit anywhere they give away the tickets at sprouts farmers markets like there was just a huge stack of unused tickets that i saw yeah and like rick riz was there just hanging out watching games because he missed baseball and wanted to watch some more baseball so like which was really cute can we can we sidebar and tell the jonathan class a story (laughs) yes feel free um so one of the things that is going to come out over the next couple of weeks is we have an interview with Jonathan Classe, who we've gotten some questions about on the site. He is um, he's he, he's kind of a pop up performer, I think. He's listed at like five eight one fifty, um, but he put up some of the strongest numbers behind Noel V Marte, who obviously has a lot more prospect shine attached to him in the DSL. Um, so we, he was there for the high performance camp and we were able to like, kind of get some time with him and talk to him. And he actually, uh, cause all these guys are looking at Julio and that's another story we can tell is about the relationship between the guys who are there from the DSL and how they look at Julio. Um, but he's trying to follow in Julio's footsteps. So he's, he shows up at all the AFL games to watch and, you know, just kind of educate himself. And Rick Riz was there, and Riz introduced himself to Class A, like, took his name down, wrote it down so he was sure he would get it right. Uh, and this is a kid with, like, some pretty limited English. He's definitely, he tries really hard, and he's great. But, you know, he was, like, explaining himself to Rick Riz and Riz was like so patient and kind with him and when he left he was like we explained to him who he was and like what role he plays in Seattle um and as he left Riz said to Jonathan like you know good luck young man you have a bright future ahead and I will see you when you make the big leagues and his smile was just it was such a meaningful moment for him it was so sweet and like no one asked Rick Riz to do that. There is no, like, PR or anything. Like, he is just a genuinely good person. Well, that's very exciting to hear. Um, how it, old it, is Class A? 17. And what position does he play? Center field. Okay, thank you. Um, you can find more information about Class A on, I believe, the Lookout Landing Twitter account, where he absolutely just roasted me in a race. Uh, that I did challenge him to. Yeah, this was, was John's idea. I want to be real clear about that. I, I did not I set him up. It, I was trying to live the do it for the vine lifestyle. <laughs> do it uh, for the gram. Yeah, do it. Do, I did it for all these things, uh, and I did it bad. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It's just uh, class A is. Um, Said to have 70 grade speed. Some evaluators have said he's the fastest kid on the island. So it's... 
uh, it's really easy speed. And, and that uh, seventeen-year-old energy is so hard to match. <laughs> it's true. It's true. To his credit, when he realized that he had outpaced John and was going to, he like kind of shut it down a little bit. Uh, he worked just hard enough to get several steps ahead of John, who we, who, to whom we gave a sizable head start, and uh, and then he kind of didn't humiliate him as badly as he could have, honestly. That's good. He's not. He respects the race. <laughs> he, does, he does. He's a very respectful kid. Very sweet. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of like hardcore Mariner fans there who I think are like maybe kind of the snowbird types, like yeah, have a condo or something down there, have friends with a condo, and just go back and forth. So if you want to meet some Mariner fans, go to the Peoria Sports Complex during the AFL. There will be like a little crew. They all have their Mariners gear on, and and you can make friends pretty easily. Beautiful. Okay, what can you tell us about uh, Noel V. Marte? What was the the main takeaway from interacting with him and watching him play against other uh, pretty skilled competition? Uh, he wasn't there to play. He was there for the high-performance oh. camp. So okay. we didn't actually get to see him in action, but I did get to talk to him. That's another interview that is forthcoming. Um, I learned he's a 17-year-old landlord. So that was yeah, that's, that's true. That's what he did with his signing bonus. He bought his mom a house, and then he bought a bunch of like little parcels of land in the Dominican, and and he's a he's a a teenage landlord. Wow. Th- I'm thinking about myself at 17, and um, you know, not not so much. I will say, like Noelvi does not come off as having a huge personality, mostly because he's very Spanish dominant. He does not really enjoy speaking English or trying in that that manner. He's a little shy about it. Um, But his personality is... He's sort of like a strong... He's still definitely a leader. Like, he's more of a quiet leader, but he does have a big personality that he shows once he feels comfortable. Um, And he's very thoughtful. He gave very thoughtful and I thought really interesting answers to the questions that I asked him. Again, like... All these guys are looking at Julio and they're all thinking about like how they're going to kind of follow in his career footsteps. And uh, Noel V said one of the most important things Julio did for him was to tell him that um, you're going to get judged differently as a Latin guy. And so you have to be following follow the American guys, like do what they do, go, when they go to a meeting, go to the meeting at the same time, like be early, um, because it's easy to get judged as lazy if you are a Latin guy and just to always kind of be showing that hustle, uh, which I thought was a really interesting, I don't love that Fulio felt that he needed to convey that, but I thought it was a really key bit of like cultural competency or cross-cultural communication that that Julio was instilling in the, in the guys. So I found that yeah, interesting. That's yeah, that's, that is actually, I think very fascinating that cause Julio hasn't even gotten to the highest level of, you know, pro ball yet. And he already kind of has that thing of like, I need to like, I'm not, you know, not the whole, like he's the spokesman for all Latin players, but he has that, that burden of sort of understanding. Like if he does, you know, show up late to a meeting accidentally that can reflect in a whole different way than if he was from Kentucky or whatever. So I think that is, I mean, knowing that Julio is sort of like the prospect that all the other prospects are going to already, even some of the ones who I'm sure are older than him, is that's something that I think is very encouraging for Mariners fans who have been looking for like something within the prospect system that's not just raw numbers, you know what I mean? Like there's the human element of his his game and his mind that has has come out a little bit now that you get to see him in person yeah uh john was actually talked to arturo guerrero who's another there's kind of like a little group they all live with him uh arturo Classe, marte and they all call him papa julio and he calls them his sons <laughs> is yeah arturo is older <laughs> chronologically older than uh julio but uh yeah sure why not oh they Uh, all recognize like that he has achieved things that they want to achieve and that they are 
that like the closer they kind of stick to his example, the better shot they have of achieving what he's achieved. So I think it's really important to know that Julio, what he does on the field is kind of, that's just part of it. Like what he does off the field and the effect he has in the organization and the, the way that he can be that, you know, just somebody who affects this positive change among all his fellow prospects. Like, you know, you see him relate very easily to the American born guys. They all love him. Obviously, the Latin guys really look up to him. And, you know, I just I think that his his importance to the team goes way beyond the field. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I think that point, it's one that's easy to sort of hand wave in a sense, because like, yeah, of course, you, you know, look up to your teammate who has had success, but it really is like, you know, especially for the Mariners who have had such a long time since having, you know, really homegrown stars come through their system there. It's, you know, it's ultimately, or it's almost a blank slate in terms of role models to look to who were in this exact circumstance. Um, And the fact that, you know, Julio has obviously this, immense level of expectations as his own player, but also that he is viewed by his own teammates and by the rest of the prospects um, following him as this is the example, this is who we want to play like and be like is an, it's a wonderful thing because, you know, Julio is, if it's going to be someone, you would want it to be someone like Julio who is, you know, very precocious and and smart and and obviously talented enough that most people you know across the country and across all of baseball agree yes this person is going to be a good major league baseball player but also like that's so scary to be you know to have (laughs) i mean really to like you know to be an 18 year old who not only are you counting on yourself your family is counting on yourself to be extraordinary but you're, you know, so much of the rest of the organization is counting on him, including his closest friends. I mean, it, it, and they are looking at him as, okay, we're going to do what you do. We, we're going to do as you do. You have to be right. Like, th- that, that was something that really stuck with me from, from talking with these players and, and talking with, with the coaching staff and whatnot is that's an un believable level of expectation to have on yourself when you are 18 when i i would crumble like a <laughs> leaf in, in the breeze i mean just it, it is it is stagger it is an un it, it's so hard to put yourself in those shoes in that way and yet at the same time like when you hear julio say like i want to be i want to break baseball like I want to be the person that they're taught. I want to be the next face of baseball. I want to be the person that people think of when they think of baseball. I mean, he wants to be kind of uh, mm-hmm. what Mike Trout is now. I mean, that is nothing mm-hmm. short of his goal, I think, is to be the face of baseball. And when you have those kinds of expectations of yourself or when you have those dreams, you have to kind of it's not empty for him. Like he puts the work behind it. So if whatever it takes, and if part of that is it takes lifting everyone, I I think that that's, what's kind of special about Julio is as big as his dreams are for himself. Like he is not a selfish person. He is extremely others focused. He is always like, you know, even last year when I was talking to him and, he was like, but what about, you know, what about my friend Noelvi? Like, you should mm-hmm. talk to Noelvi or you should talk mm-hmm. to, uh, talk to my friend Daniel. Like, he's, he's very understanding of the fact that everyone needs their own time to shine. It totally. is, it, it is, yeah. And, and one, and, you know, for him on his level, the people he's looking at are Juan Soto. You know, he, he looks at Juan Soto and says, I want that, you know, right? And, and that's, the, the sort of thing he has to do is look at okay right. who is who who are the current people no one can explain who are the baseball. standard bearers uh, right uh, now who's the face of baseball right now and 
yeah, as much as he's trying to bring people along behind him, he's definitely hewing to those paths and. Yeah. yeah. It's a, I mean, it, it's a fun thing to root for, um, and and to tr- you know hopefully see develop, um, be- because there is just now a, a really just a ton interconnected intentionally interconnected uh, because of all of this. I feel yeah. like a lot of people are a lot of Mariners fans are really burned out on prospects, right? Like there's it's been so long since we had a really good homegrown one. Um, it's very. I definitely understand people who who doubt the system and uh, doubt the Mariners' ability to produce someone and are hesitant in believing in Julio um, or Jared or Logan Gilbert or any of them. In fact, one of the things I wanted to say was I was sitting at a game in front of somebody who was in charge of scouting the Mariners. I don't know if he was a Mariner scout or not. He seemed to know the AL West pretty well, so maybe he was just an AL West scout. I have no idea. But he was talking about the Mariners system, and he was like, ah, Kalanick is someone, Rodriguez is someone, Gilbert is a back-end rotation, Gilbert's a back-end guy in the rotation, and then they don't have anything else. And I was like, mm. <laughs> Evan White, like, Kyle Lewis, Jake Fr- like, none of these are, are guys that you think are anyone. So I think there is still, even industry-wide, that perception um, that the the system is poor or whatever, um, but I I would buy big on Julio. Uh, I think that even if you're wrong, like, and even if it doesn't all work out as we really hope it will, it's he's so fun. He's so easy to root for. He's just a genuinely good person, and um, you know, you just want every. I I want success for him very badly. So get in on the Julio train. Plus, it's just way more fun to be rooting for good things to happen than having the whole, like, oh, my, I'm so guarded against bad things happening that I can't allow myself to even consider the option of, you know, just enjoying things. Like, it's a weird place the manners have put us in where we feel like right. happiness has to come with a caveat. So I hope that this can be the start of that shift. I think, too, with, like, the big league team looking like it's going to look for 2020, like... You were just, I, I suggest either getting invested in the prospects or just tuning out on the team for a year or so. Um, yeah. I honestly think that there's nothing to be gained by just being negative and worried. If, if that is really like your mindset, I understand that. I, I totally understand that the team has done nothing to over the past decade plus to cause any different feelings. Um but I, I, I think you don't have to be engaged. Like, there are so many other things to engage yeah. in. Pick one of them. Like, I often wish that I was not so tied to the Mariners in the beautiful Seattle weather and could go out and do more things. So, uh, yeah, I think I think get, get on board with the prospects or buckle down for some pretty ugly baseball in 2020. Yeah. All right, you two. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't get... Your, your takes on the non-baseball parts of the Fall League. Kate, you are a veteran of the Fall League now, having done it multiple times. Uh, mm. John, this was your first time, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, John, All I'm right. interested in hearing, because I've been talking about the Fall League forever. Like, I'm interested in hearing what you thought of it, specifically our Airbnb and our wonderful <laughs> host, Scott. Yeah, we and also, Scott. real quick, um, apparently Sprouts Market was a big part of your experience. Um on Twitter, we had someone asking about when Brittany. will Sprouts... There was Brittany bush yeah, asking when uh, will we get a Sprouts and why is it not soon enough? Ugh. I'm familiar with Scouts from... from with sprouts, sorry, not Scouts. <laughs> familiar with Sprouts from my time in San Diego, so I would I would love to join in on the praise for it. But let's get let's get John's um, opinion on the Arizona Fall League as a, as a rookie being down there for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it was dope. Um, <laughs> like, obviously, I, I'm thoroughly into the minutia baseball component but like even if you're just going with baseball as like an excuse sort of binding activity like it's cheap there's usually two games you can go to each day especially like later in like october yeah um because usually there's like one or two 
12:30 games, and then there's a 6:30 game. All the games are like within 45 minutes to an hour of each other, and you can kind of just spend the rest of the time eating really good tacos <laughs> and margaritas and like, yeah. I, I mean, it is. You'll you'll kind of we we did. I think a. I think we did it right. Like we, we did a lot of go to the grocery store, acquire things that you'll want to like hold up at the house with. Cause you don't want to like everything in Arizona is just far from other. Yeah. Things you spend a lot of time in the car and that yeah. is a drawback of the fall league is yeah. like, you definitely need a car unless you are staying like literally at that yeah. P83 complex across the yeah. street. The, the walkability is non-existent and like, if you're gonna take like ride sharing unfortunately like because of how spread out everything is like you'd run up some tabs um so i but like everything else is pretty cheap so you know like you can you can get some cool places to stay you can just hang out at a pool and watch baseball and i like i could not recommend it highly enough I'm very glad I did go. Um, and like, you get to see like all sorts of people that you will recognize. You'll be like, Oh, like that's, you know, an executive from whatever team, you know, like, Oh, that's, you know, Oh yeah. We definitely saw Bill Bavasi who took over yeah, Bill the Bavese, Bavese the, took over the AFL and John was too chicken to go talk to him, which I will never let him lean down, da- live down. At the end of the game, I talked. I, I I reached out to the office afterwards. We we, we got some. I got some, I got information from him. So there we go. Beautiful. But, and and sprouts. You guys are both in on sprouts. Yeah, I got yeah, to sprouts. take John to sprouts for the first time, which was pretty exciting. Ever since Tiffany, friend of the friend of the site, Tiffany, um, brought me to my first sprouts, or maybe it was just the person who told me about sprouts, but. Um, Sprouts is uh, kind of like a step below Whole Foods, but a step above a Trader Joe's. And it is, they have tons of bulk food. So like you can just go to the bulk bins and stock up on stuff. I always bring my mom this trail mix that is like her favorite. It's like peanuts and chocolate bits and chocolate covered peanut butter cups. Uh, and it is wonderful. It's really not healthy, but it's still deli- you can you. It, it's sort of a health food store, so you can convince yourself anything you're buying there is healthy. Yeah, they got a bunch of pre-mixed strawberry margaritas uh, that we tried on on various different levels, which were great. As yeah, well. those, those were, were not those really were... the health mix, but sorry, carry on with the health. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's just a good place to get like we were saying, like your basic snack level stuff for eating kind of at the Airbnb, definitely splurge and make sure that you splurge. I mean, I think our place was like 60 bucks um, and split among all of us was not that bad at all. It was huge and nice and there was a pool and um, I mean, your money just goes so much further than it does during spring training and like, no, you're not exactly seeing the same level of baseball but you, and the and the atmosphere at the games and the atmosphere at the games is, is very, very dead different. for sure. Although like if, if you, you yeah. if you're into prospects and you want to like meet some people and especially I think especially if you have kids, um, because there are a ton of like professional autograph people, but they love the players love seeing actual kids there. So mm-hmm. uh, it would be a great way to like let your kids interact with some ball players, especially if you mm-hmm. live kind of far away from any of the various affiliates. I, that's great news hearing that the Arizona Fall League is delightful. I have even better news for our listeners north of Seattle. There is a Sprouts Farmer's Market in both Mill Creek and Linwood. So you have options if you're trying to get in on this. I want to say that I looked it up and I'm not sure that that's the same one. Really? Specialty yeah. chain offering a range of natural and organic grocery items. Oh, maybe it is then. We're gonna hit the website, folks. Stick a lo- stick around as we. <laughs> anyway, yay as sprouts. For an extra time. Mill Creek. <laughs> Pro sprouts. No, the um, there's a great taco place. There's one like walkable from the complex, and then there's one that's like uh, five minutes down the road that's much delicious called Tacos Calafia. Extremely cheap. Extremely delicious. Um, 
Yeah, you can just you can you can have a real good old time. Glorious. Well, this was a great old time. Thank you to Kate Prusser and John Troopin, who I assume will be back to tip-top shape in no time. Uh, you powered through to give us content, and we're forever grateful for that. <laughs> you know me. You know me. Of course. Um, the podcast will power on through the off season with more conversations about why we're Mariners fans, but for now we needed to get some actual news. Uh, keep your eye on the site for actual articles and interviews with some of the prospects we mentioned. And, uh, yeah, in no time we'll have the sort of more uh, shiny version of the Arizona Fall League spring training, uh, which is coming quicker than we realize. So thank you for listening. Thanks, Kate and John, for joining me. Any final words before we get out of here? Thanks, Matthew, for hosting. Of yeah. course. Have it we convinced, my, my have we convinced you to uh, – have, have we swayed your interest in attending the Yeah, because you were kind of like up in the person. air about it this year. So. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to pull back the curtain on my personal life. Uh, today is the 28th. On the 31st, I'm going to New Orleans, and I just couldn't figure out a way to financially mm, do fair. two vacations that close to each other. Yeah. So. That's fair. Next year, I will clear the entire month of October and <laughs> go to Arizona and fight off scorpions with you two. Yay. Uh, All right. Beautiful. All right. Until next time. Uh, bye. Bye. No. <laughs>